This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Well, it's 3 o'clock Eastern time, and that means it's time for the Shep Al Smith report on Fox. If you want to be told that everything's fine, that Islamists are our friends, and that everyone who thinks there's a problem is a fascist. But if you don't have time for fantasy, but rather the truth, and you'd like to laugh, even if manically, Along with that truth, we are the Blaze Radio Network. I am Jay Severin, Excelsior. Wow, I, I'm just, I'm really taken by uh, a mix of things. Good afternoon. Welcome back. I so look forward to this moment. Really, I do. I mean, consider it like we're dating, but we've all, and, and I find you really attractive. That's why we're dating. I'm a guy. So first thing that comes to mind, I find you really attractive. Think of it this way. We're dating and it's only like our third date. Okay. Expect that level of ardor because that's what I feel. This isn't just what I do. This is who I am. And you and Glenn and my colleagues make that possible. I really look forward to this moment. Welcome back, my dear partners. The Blaze Radio Network is we. 1-888-900-3393. Via Twitter, at J-A-Y underscore Severin, as my Kiwi friends pronounced it. I was a a guest in the uh, parliament in uh, well, both in Australia and New Zealand, and and in uh, New Zealand, <clears throat> I was actually announced from the well of the house. Which so so are a lot of people. Each day they run through, you know, honored guests, and you know it could be the guy who's coming to establish the, the new Burger King outlet. So I, I don't, you know, it's not like I was that honored. Believe me, but I mean I was honored, but I'm not sure they felt that honored. And they said, and uh, from the United States, honored friend, Jai Severin, Mr. Severin. That was a big moment for me. This is a big moment. one 888 900 
as I just said to Jen, I'm I have been of ill temper this week. You want a happy show today? Maybe you should watch Shep Al Smith report. No happy show today. And then Jen wrote back, said, maybe a little happy. And I says, I says to Jen, I says, I am irrepressibly manic. So it always turns up that way. You know, I can never stay angry or bummed for long. So hang in there. I don't know that we'll get all the way to happy, but wildly entertaining, manic, you've come to the right place. Frank sent me a a tweet I read just as the microphone popped on because Heidi was kind enough to say, I used to listen to Sean. I now listen to you on the Blaze Radio Network. And I wrote back to Heidi and I said um, something like, I admire your taste or good call, you know. But let me point out that Sean is a dear fellow and we have been dear friends for 25 years and we have, maybe longer. Uh, and I, I have nothing but the best things to say about Sean Hannity. But we do very, very, very different kinds of shows. I think people assume that because you're competitors, it means you're enemies. Like up here in Boston, uh, I mean, not in Boston, but but you know, I'm within the realm of of uh, the Boston market. I'm uh, way up North Shore, much closer to New Hampshire than I am to Boston. In any case. There's a fellow up here, a good fellow named Howie Carr, who has been, he's one of these guys who is a local radio host and he is so famous locally in a major market that he's gotten to be known, a lot of people know him, you know, even if they've never been to Boston. And you you can't hear him unless you live in Boston, but still, he's just one of those guys like Bob Grant used to be in New York or, uh, I don't know, I don't know a lot of other radio local radio talents in other markets so i can't give you another example but uh everyone assumes that we're we have some kind of enmity or snarkiness between us and and i you know he's a good fellow and uh we just do very different shows and that's the deal with sean we just do very different kinds of shows but heidi thank you in writing back to heidi i said oh yeah we do very different shows and Sean is rich and famous and Frank was kind enough to make the benevolent mistake not only benign but benevolent mistake of saying I have seen your compound on the North Shore you're rich and infamous well I hope I'm the latter I hope I'm at least I hope I've achieved at least infamy if not fame you know, twerking is no longer beyond me. I, I, I somehow feel, uh, I'm kidding though. I really, you know, you know, I take that whole fame infamy thing very seriously. Um, so I know Frank is joking, but Frank, I want you to know you are joking though unintentionally when you talk about my compound on the North Shore. History, my friend. I'm a very different person than I was. Uh... I don't know, eight years ago? Eight years ago, I, uh, well, I better not talk about that. Uh, No compound, no rich, believe me.
uh, when I, I mean, and, and for, for no other reason, when I tell you that for those of you more numerous than I think any of the rest of us wish to imagine who live paycheck to paycheck, I say this so you know I'm not putting on airs or BSing you, Bernie Sandering you. I live paycheck to paycheck. I'm not proud of that. It sucks. I have a family. I don't care anymore. I got to do a lot of the stuff I wanted to do. I don't mean I squandered our fortune. We had no fortune. What I mean is I was for the bulk of my life a little bit good and a little bit lucky. And now I know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck and it sucks. And I tell you because I want you to know I'm not making that stuff up. And if that, I, I don't want to hurt your, my image and thus your image of me. But to tell you otherwise would be to lie to you. And that's something I have never done and will never do. I don't want to sound like Jimmy Carter either. But, I mean, if I had to lie to you to protect my family or my country, you know, or my boss, I'd probably lie to you. But I've never lied to you and I never will. Where is all this coming from? I know this is placing in the rearview mirror where objects are actually more distant than they appear, the notion of a happy show, isn't it? We're, we're, it's okay. I just need to, I need to bleed myself first here. I need to put the leeches on and bleed myself, and then things will get better. Why and how did things fail at the airport in Brussels? They did, you know. And we're going to do a mix today of terror. We're doing domestic terror, meaning our politics, our presidential politics, and we're doing domestic terror, meaning the uh, Islamists who are, you know, doing it there and on their way here. I realize now after having listened to experts and read, had a chance to read some more, that, and that here's the major, I'll just make one, one or two major points. One is, when you see that still photograph of the two guys in their tribute to Michael Jackson with one glove, then the other guy who looks like Woody Allen in his first or second movie with the beach hat and the phony nose, the putty nose, and the glasses and the fake teeth and everything. When you see that, as an expert broke down for me, you're looking at a still photograph that is part of eight minutes of them walking through the airport, the three of them looking like that. Now, everyone's in T-shirts and stuff. These guys are in turtlenecks and jackets, and they've got on one black leather glove, both of them, two of the three of them, have on a black leather glove on the same hand, three of them lined up, pushing, sweating profusely and pushing these carts. If security was arrayed, was deployed the way it ought, and if security was doing its job, do you think maybe someone would have noticed that? Point number one. Point number two, and I don't have an answer to this one. I just want you to know. I'm just going to juxtapose two facts. We'll have to figure it out together. Last night, 
before I went to bed, Belgium announced that the number of ISIS assassins that they officially believe, this is an official statement of the Belgium government, the number of ISIS assassins, Islamists, a.k.a. Islamists, trained, ready to commit terror in Belgium and nearby in Europe, which have been set loose and told to go commit terror, was upgraded. Yesterday morning, that number was 400. Last night before I went to bed, you know what the number was? What the number is today as of of an hour ago? 5,000. 5,000. Okay? That's fact A. Juxtaposed with fact B. Two hours ago, three hours ago today, Belgium lowered their security risk level. You can't make this stuff up. The Jay Severin Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. This is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And you are my partners. We are the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 Here's what we need. Uh, three George Mason University students, according to a national report. Three. Where is George Mason? In Virginia? I think so. George Mason University students, three of them are accused of setting up a bomb-making factory in their dorm and were caught red-handed with the bomb-making materials. Hold on now. Hold on. Good God. Hold on now. College students. College students. Not with, not with plotting to conspire to plan to commit bomb-making, but actually bomb-making. They were actually bomb-making with the materials. Who gives them this stuff? Where do they get this stuff? Oh, by the way, uh, according to the report, unlike virtually every other arrest, especially this kind, if they were arrested for DWI, their names would be in the paper if they were 18 or older. Yes? They've been arrested for making bombs in their dormitory rooms. Their names were not released. Does anyone have a wild guess as to why that might be? Anybody? Anybody. Severin Doctrine. 
before Guru Jay was born, holy cow, Chip, there was Severin Doctrine. Severin Doctrine first appeared when I was in the fifth grade, just one year before I, well, you know. I wish to herewith formally propound or reiterate Severin Doctrine on the following. Our presidents, commanders-in-chief, our military, swear, do they not? They swear to do something. They swear to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States from all enemies, foreign and domestic. I have since childhood been very, very impressed with that independent clause, foreign and domestic, because it implicitly and literally recognizes that enemies of the United States, i.e. enemies of our Constitution, one and the same, will be both foreign and domestic. That is to say, the notion of a domestic enemy of the Constitution is not a theory. It is a theorem. It is true. It is existent. It is expected. It is defined. It is the latchkey, the linchpin to our oath of office. We will preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. It states for us the fact that there will be, have been, shall continue to be domestic enemies of the Constitution, right? All enemies, foreign and domestic. Severin doctrine. I submit to you, as Severin, I submit to you something I mentioned yesterday. The Sharia test. The Sharia test should be applied like the preserve, protect, and defend clause of the oath of office, the Sharia test should be applied to all private citizens, all private per and all private persons who seek to enter this country. It is time. It is time. It is time to update, to renew, to reflect today's reality the oath that people must take. And I submit to you that that is the Sharia test. And the Sharia test is, I'm not sure exactly how I'd word it, but I'm sure exactly, and so are you, it's intent. The Sharia test is this. Anyone who under any circumstances, for any reason, can be shown to support Sharia law used against the United States of America or against any American. Anyone who supports the use of Sharia law against America or Americans, whether out of America or within America, but especially within the United States, 
That person is, ipso facto, a domestic enemy of the Constitution of the United States. Now, you put those two together. Our oath of office is we swear to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Hmm, domestic enemy. Okay, give me an example. Here's one. Anyone who supports Sharia law, they are ipso facto an enemy of the Constitution of the United States of America, and thus is ipso facto our enemy, the enemy, enemy. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. Seven on the Blaze Radio Network. 1-888-900-3393. Terror show today. Uh, I hope it is a terror, the show. You know, like kind of like in a vaudevillian sense. A terror, a panic. Uh, we do, we're doing domestic terror, our presidential politics, <clears throat> which were George Mason, to mention his name alive, that's what he'd think of our current presidential politics and of course the other kind so did you like uh, did you like severin doctrine good i have more i'd like to know what you think about it one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three and if you hold on a few minutes i'd like to know what you think or you don't have to hold on a few minutes uh change the subject steer the boat come on pitch in here uh let me know what you think about I'll restate this later, but let me give up a punchline here in advance. You want to know the most impressive poll? I've got a million of them, but you know the most impressive polls to sadistic of which I've become aware in the last 24 hours? Not one of the, here it is, not one of the five remaining announced candidates for president of the United States is viewed favorably by American citizens. Not one. Not one of the five remaining announced candidates. So we started off with, what, 25 candidates for president, both both parties combined. Now we're down to five, and whatever the number is, and five's kind of a lot. Five, and not one is viewed favorably by the American citizenry. Gee, I wonder how that happened. Okay. So you say more. Give us more, Severin Doctrine. Severin, give us more. Okay, here it is. This is maybe, uh, no, it's not maybe. This is earliest Severin Doctrine. I was writing about this stuff in the fifth and sixth grade. And this is of the top three to five topics that had my goat then. This is one of them. Assimilation. Even then he knew. One of the best TV commercials ever made. You know Barney's Clothing Store in New York? It started as a famous Jewish garmento outlet shop. 
the, the, the Pressman family, and they went, went from a little tiny tailor shop on the Lower East Side to at 7th Avenue and 17th Street, uh, Barney's, and it was a discount clothing store for men. And that's what it was when I was a kid. And then it grew the next generation of whatever it was, the fourth generation of Pressmans made it uh, into what it is today. It's on Madison Avenue at like 62nd, I'm going to say, uh, 63rd uh, on the west side of the street. It's it's maybe the most fashionable men's clothing store in New York or one of the top two or three and expensive. It's total Euro trash boutique, enormously profitable, enormously fashionable, all of this. They did a television commercial before they became ultra fashionable. And it was a bunch of kids, little boys, like 10 years old, sitting around on the stoop of what was obviously a stoop, meaning a front porch of a Brooklyn brownstone. Could have been Lower East Side, but probably Brooklyn. And so they're all on the stone, brownstone steps of this big stone front steps of a brownstone. And they're all hanging around. And there's a kid of every description. One kid is obviously black. One kid's obviously Latin. One kid's obviously Italian, Jew, an Irishman, yada, 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 right? Got the whole melting pot deal going on. And I, and, and they, the kids are talking. They say, hey, Louie. What are you going to be when you grow up? And the little black kid's got a trumpet in his hands. And he, he blows it, and it's really bad, you know? But he goes, I'm going to be a great jazz musician. And they all go, yeah, yeah. And they, like, throw spitballs at him and stuff. And they go, uh, Mickey, what are you going to be? And the kid's got a it's a young blonde kid with blue eyes. He's throwing a ball, even though Mickey Mantle was from Oklahoma, throwing a ball into a glove. And he says, you know, I'm going to be a great baseball player for the New York Yankees. They all go, yeah, they like throw spitballs at him and all. And then they go, you know, they go around the horn with, with a few kids and they give these like stereotypical answers and they come to the young Jewish kid who is in a, like a bespoke suit, glasses, perfectly groomed, little horn rim glasses. And they say, and he's, he's, he's the smallest of all of them. And they say, um, Hey, Barney, what are you going to be? Yeah, Barney. And they're all mocking him. They're, yeah, little Barney, because he's like the runt. Yeah, Barney, what are you going to be? And they all snicker, you know, at him. And Barney adjusts his glasses and says, I don't know, but you're all going to need clothes. <laughs> and, and the title comes up, even then he knew. That's what well, I, I remember this 40 years later. I mean... As I hope someone will remember this 40 years later. And by the way, by no mean connection there, there's an illustration of assimilation, which we don't have. Earliest Severan doctrine, no kidding, circa fifth, sixth grade. Our ancestors came to America for a reason different than people who come here today and under different circumstances. Firstly, our ancestors came here legally. Secondly, 
Our ancestors came here to, not just to be in America. They didn't come here to colonize America. They didn't come here to be merely in America. They came to become American. They came to intentionally, intentionally, aspirationally become Americans. Not today. Today, lots of the new people some in very particular who have been in the news recently come here to bring their culture, to pick up and move their culture, their language, their customs, their everything, including maybe, oh, I just, what, Sharia! They, they, They pick up their culture, move it here, and create and stay in an isolated pocket in a satellite colony of the country they left. They come here not to become Americans. They come here to be in America, not to be American. That is to say, zero aspiration, zero practice, zero ambition, Zero fact of assimilation. And before us, we see, and we are going to in San Bernardino and in the Brussels airport, because the, the phenomenon is the same uh, in Europe as it is here, except they don't have any history and success assimilating people. We do, or we used to. But before us, we see says Severin Doctrine, before us we see the frightful results of America, not as a melting pot, but as, what, a mosaic, a mixed salad. Nice ways of saying balkanized, colonized. Do do we notice, do we realize that some prominent groups recently in the news are coming to America and their attitude is to do to you what Columbus did to the Indians? Right. Now, again, you know, we don't need to get into all of that, but I don't think a lot of us have totally clean consciences about, you know, what the uh, discoverers of America did to the people they discovered, to the human beings they discovered who were already living full and creative lives here before they were discovered by the white man. But for shorthand purposes, what we did to the Native Americans, our attitude our attitude in doing it. Not that it was malignant, but our attitude about it is pretty much the attitude of certain groups of America, of people who come to America recently in the news. They're coming here like the discoverers of America 
came and did to the Native Americans, essentially. And as the man says, as the man said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And, and now, what do we get? We have to be afraid. We're, 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 we're not really afraid right now because, as we've been talking about, it ain't here. It's been here, and then we get afraid. But when it's somewhere else, we get awakened, but we don't really get afraid. This goes back to Severin Doctrine Bullseye Theory, which I, I, I won't repeat unless given the slightest encouragement. It, it, it's, it's the bullseye theory. You know, if, you don't, if you're not at the bullseye physically or personally or whatever, you know, it's, it doesn't affect you as much. So we, we are fascinated by Brussels, but we're not really that scared. We're really not that scared by it. But what do we get out of the deal? We have to be afraid for ourselves, for our children, for the, you know, and of the question of having their opportunity maybe to travel as we did, quite aside from the fact that virtually no one can afford to give that precious gift anymore to a child unless they're rich. Now it's a matter of life and death safety. National media reports today uh, that Europe is, 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 is admitting that the ISIS threat is greater than ever recently thought and their ability to deal with it virtually non-existent because they've been depending on us. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network, I'm Jay Severin. You are the best and brightest in radio. Let me continue. Europe now admits, now, now Europe admits that the ISIS threat, you know, it's easy to bash Europeans. It's easy. It's easy to think of Europeans and their cafe culture, of grown men sitting around on relief in the middle of the day, sipping espresso or ouzo or whatever, smoking endless chains of cigarettes paid for by someone else, whistling at girls or boys or whatever, uh, you know, hanging around all day at the cafe. It's easy to have that impression. They make it easy because it's largely true. So now Europe, now Europe admits that the ISIS threat is far greater and they're in way over their heads, Europe is, their ability to deal with it is virtually non-existent because they have been depending on you since World War II to defend them. As I mentioned yesterday, Belgium and other European, Western European countries' defense budget is about 1% of their budget. Isn't it nice to have that luxury? Because... The American dopes will take care of you for a hundred years, so why should you spend your money? They've been promising to double their defense budget from a whopping one to two percent, but they haven't done it. And I look at these battles today, I look at television, I don't even have the sound up sometimes. I look at these battles around Mosul 
and around these other cities and in Iraq and these guys with with their laundry on their head, firing shells back and forth at each other. I don't know which side is which. I don't know if it's the Kurds or the Turds or the Murds or the Dr. Susians. I don't know. I don't really care. I don't understand. I know it doesn't make any difference, though. All these little battles that people are going to change sides tomorrow, and if they don't, what's worse, that they change sides tomorrow or that they continue this tribal feudalism for another 10,000 years, killing each other over who loves the right God the right way? Which is worse? Well, if, as long as we're involved, that's what's worse. You, you, know, you know what does matter? We need another Harry Truman is what we need. Think about it. It's an all, Harry Truman, for the, any of us victims of American public education, Harry Truman's the Democrat who dropped the atomic bomb to save lives and win World War II. We need another Harry Truman. It's an awful option, but it, it, is, it is an option. It is an option. We've proven that. And the other option means that you cease to exist. Harry! Harry, where are you? And by the way, I say this with great frustration. Last night, Trump said, I don't rule out the use of nukes against ISIS. You know what a lot of people say? Good for you. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. kinds count them two kinds of terror today on the blaze radio network jay severin show one is had terror hard terror translated from uh, boston had terror which would be brussels and europe soon to a theater near you see what i did there with theater uh and soft terror which is presidential politics american style Ah, oh, oi. Very tossed. Welcome back, my radio family, my dear friends, my partners. Call if you like. I would like your opinion. Criticism, uh, bon mot, as you feel uh, appropriate contribution to the show that we partner. one 3393 one 1-888-900-3393. When I meet people, which is rare, uh, I these days, I am often asked that show yesterday. How long did that say that show yesterday? How long did you prepare for that? And everybody over 40 knows that were you asked the same question about what you do, whether you're a stay-at-home dad Stay-at-home mom, working dad, working mom, 
not a parent, but you work. Everybody over, I mean, if you're lucky, younger. Everybody over 40 knows the answer to that question. All my life. Somebody tweeted earlier what I regard as a high compliment. They said the show, the show is like a, a combination of knowledge and experience. Well, ain't it the truth for all of us? Because after all, it had better be, right? It had better be the accumulation, the working accumulation of knowledge and and some insights and, and, and wisdom. All right. Domestic terror, presidential politics. I'm not sure we won't do the other kind still, if anything pops into my mind. Uh, but in no particular order, though I try, but in, in no guaranteed order of priority, there's this. John Kasich, spelled K-S-I-C-K. John Kasich repeated last night, he will entertain under no circumstances the prospect of being vice president. He just wants you to know, like, how dare you insult him? How dare you insult a guy who is acting like a butthead? And you see, I'm, I choose my words carefully, so I'm leaving myself and him and out. I'm saying acting like a butthead. That's so later... I can say, I didn't say he was an absolute butthead. I said he was, and I don't mean to lawyer you, but I have to keep my options open because despite, no, no matter how badly they screw me and you against our wills, and there's a word for that in law, no matter how badly they assault us, <clears throat> if it's John Kasich and Hillary Clinton, I'm voting for Kasich. I'm going to sell Kool-Aid and drink it for John Kasich. So I have to leave myself an out. And I always have. And I always will. Because I ain't voting for Hillary Clinton. I, I have always known what my bumper sticker is. The first words out of my mouth when I used to make a pitch to prospective clients, they'd call me, I'd get on a plane, I'd go to California, Colorado, Wyoming, <clears throat> Michigan, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Florida. I don't know. I think I did campaigns in 30, 35 states, several foreign countries. First words out of my mouth, locally translated if necessary, you know, like if I were in Alabama, uh, I would say, do you know your bumper sticker? Now, it's okay if you don't. In fact, if you do, it's 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 good in a way because you've thought about it, but it's almost certainly not going to be the right one. That's why I'm here. So, but if inevitably and as soon as possible, you need to know your bumper sticker. You need to know your truly unreserved ultimate goal, and you might say to become governor. Okay. I'd say for most of my clients, that that is probably the correct bumper sticker. I'm a voter in this. I'm a citizen. My bumper sticker, which I've used before, you know, uh, under similar circumstances, but never this dire, 
My bumper sticker is no dem. That's it. No dem. Now that for me has gone back many years. I'm just going to claim seven. Uh, for the last seven years has meant not Hillary. And right now, since I believe Hillary is, as I always have, uh, and have always said, will be the nominee, and I, as of this moment, believe she will be the president. It's too hideous. The options are too hideous to contemplate at this <laughs> at this moment. But I no no Democrat. I know what my bumper sticker is, and I, I'm not trying to sell you mine. I'd be delighted if you share it. If you already share it, if you can be persuaded to share it, but I'm not trying to foist it on you, you know, by dint of force. I just, you know, I, I, I hope I hope we end up agreeing. But you need to know what your bumper, even if we disagree, if, you're, if your bumper sticker is Trump more than ever, whatever your bumper sticker is, you need to know what your bumper sticker is. Until you know what your bumper sticker is, you don't know what you're talking about. Literally. Only you know what you are talking about. You are the world's foremost authority on your opinion. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever let anybody make you think or cower you into appearing to think otherwise. You are the world's foremost authority on several things. Your children, your family, lots of things. But you... And again, we could say things, uh, define them more broadly, but sometimes that's not true. You know, I'd like to, I'm the world's foremost authority on my job. No, I'm not, you know, but I am the world's foremost authority on my opinion. And so too are you on yours. Have it, know it, learn it, love it, live it, say it, proclaim it, know your bumper sticker. Kasich says, I will not be anyone's vice president. Okay, so the winner of one home state primary is letting us know that he's insulted by the notion that we might offer, someone might offer him the vice presidency. Okay, good to know, butthead. But, but he also wants us to know he might pick, he might pick, he might pick a Democrat running mate. Did you hear this? Do you know this? John K. S-I-C-K. John K. Sick says he will not be vice president, but I might pick a Democrat running mate. He says party means, and by party, he of course means ideology, means nothing to him. Were he in this uh, fantasy circumstance of picking a vice presidential a running mate to to be his vice presidential running mate party meaning ideology meaning ideas meaning values principles means nothing to him and of course that's because they mean nothing to him this is jay severin, severin. on the blaze radio network
This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. And my partners call in on this line, one 3393 For those listening in a Kiwi or Aussie, one triple eight nine double double three nine three. Oh, I missed one triple eight triple eight. Right? Okay. So Kasich won't be vice president. Want you to know it's a total lie. Of course, he would lay down laughing and die if he were ever, you know, offered the opportunity. <laughs> His butthead acting like a butthead, you know, you know. He has the, the imagine the the gall, the presumption to say to us as if he's angry with us. How dare you offer me the vice presidency? But by the way, I might pick a Democrat running mate. Okay, would someone get this guy some Xanax or what, whatever it is that is appropriate medication for this that particular con- condition? All right, Trump renewed and jacked up which either means he really does have great pollsters or he is totally relying on his instincts. I don't know which. We're not going to know. With my contacts, if I don't know now, I'm not going to know until after the election. But Trump jacked up the spat about wives last night. You recall the origin of this is that uh, Melania Trump appeared circa 15 years ago, practically naked for, and I mean practically naked. There there were two bits that had to be pixeled out before they could put it on TV. And I was surprised that they showed as much as they did on TV, even today. Twerking, dada. Twerking notwithstanding, I was surprised. They showed what they did. So uh, GQ photo shoot 15 years ago. She looked good. Anyway, uh, did I say that out loud? And, and they, they, they showed this. Now, this was a some group not affiliated directly and legally with Ted Cruz. So Trump got hot because they showed the picture of his wife, or at least pretended to be. He probably was delighted. First of all, well, there's only one. So one of all, it's Donald Trump, and they're showing your naked wife, and she looks like that. You think he's angry? Come on. Anyway, he pretended to be angry. Uh, accused Ted, you know, of the worst kind of of uh, mischief. Ted correctly said, look, I, I, it, it, nothing to do with me. I didn't do it. I don't do it. I wouldn't do it. I, I denounce it. I, I didn't do it. Yada, yada, yada. Trump wrote back, you know, you're a lion, Ted. Yes, you did. Stop it or I'll spill the, be- spill the beans on your wife. And Ted wrote back, go ahead, spill what beans? My wife is the self-made daughter of African missionaries. Well, go ahead, you know, do me a favor, spill the beans. But meanwhile, don't pick on girls, you know, um, your wife, and he said this. I loved. I loved Ted's response. Ted's most recent response is, uh, "Hey Donald, your wife is lovely, and my wife is the love of my life. Don't pick on. Don't pick on women. 
don't, don't pick on, don't, don't bring the families into this. You know, I thought it was a perfectly appropriate response. And I thought that Trump, among the th- things, the swinish things that Trump has done, this was among the most swinish. Um, and picking at this sore and uh, insinuating that Mrs. Cruz, you know, has something evil or nefarious or naughty or dirty or something to hide. And even if she did, shut up. Anyway, uh, so that, so Trump jacked that up. And today, or last night, Trump set out, set out, sent out, sorry, talk much, sent out a tweet with side-by-side photos of the uh, portraits of the wives. I mean, close-up photograph portraits. And it was one in which Mrs. Cruz was caught at a, you know, less than perfect moment. We've all seen pictures of ourselves and others where you're just at that moment where you're eating or blowing your nose or, you know, just something you, you have a, uh, un, unflattering look on your face. Well, they took the worst possible photograph uh, for which you'd have to search because Mrs. Cruz is, is an attractive woman. But they, they found the worst picture of Mrs. Cruz that they could run, and they ran it, you know, next to this beautiful modeling shot of, uh, of Mrs. Trump. And Donald said, a picture speaks a thousand words. In other words... Your wife is ugly and mine is beautiful. This makes you, I'll admit, this does not make Donald Trump a, uh, a pig. This makes him a punk pig. And I don't mean like Johnny Rotten. I don't mean like The Clash. I mean it makes him a punk Uh, this is real hail to the chief stuff, huh? I'll, I'm going to return to that theme in a moment. Michelle got in the act last night too. You want, you want, okay, you want American politics? You got it. In between Barack apologizing for America and kissing now Argentinian buttocks, there's no more Cuban buttocks to kiss, so now he's kissing Argentinian buttocks. The first lady delivered last night a, an excruciating, extensive list of complaints about her treatment growing up as a woman, including, by the way, the incredible claim that men used to whistle at her when she walked down the street. I wonder what kind of whistle, don't you? I'm sure men whistled at her when she walked down the street. Now, I can't whistle, but the kind of whistle she was insinuating was, and I'm sure the kind of whistle, if ever there was one, was, anyway, again, if I could whistle, I could actually get a punchline out of that, but you know, I think you know what I'm saying. Uh, All in all, it was an extraordinarily mortifying, a profoundly negative, a a a a a a a unbelievably uncomfortably personal embarrassing litany of self-pity and complaint by whom a homeless person a jobless person a disabled person a hungry person 
No, no. A person of loss? Someone who just lost someone at the Brussels airport? No, no. Someone who knows disappointment in their life? Someone who could not give something they wanted to their child? No, no. All of this was a extraordinarily mortifying litany of complaint of the burden of what it's like to be the first lady of the United States, given as a public dinner speech in a foreign country. And um, not to be left out, uh, Hillary Clinton, who now is the most embarrassing female public figure in all of American history, I think, clearly now, I think we can conclude, is the beneficiary of the grossest, illegal, dirtiest politics in American history. She is obviously being protected by Obama and the Department of Justice as he perverts law, order, the Constitution, fairness, fair play, the American way of life to protect this fat criminal from having very evidently committed various kinds of crimes. Oh, and Hillary's planning to meet with Muslim leaders tomorrow, you know, to soothe their feelings. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. on the Blaze Radio Network. And my partners from the Blaze Radio Network, May from New Orleans. May, oh. welcome. Well, well, hello, Jay. How are hello, you, May. sir? Hello, uh, May. All the better for your call, my dear. Well, we'll find out. You know, let's, let's see. <laughs> so let's walk shall. into it. All right, so I'm in my <laughs> kitchen, um, and it's not a poor me. I'm a single mom. I'm self-employed. I, I make beautiful food. I'm a private chef. I listened you. to you, all right? And you started, you talked about bumper stickers. Yeah. Know your bumper stickers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sum this up. In 2012, I put a no bomber bumper sticker on the back of my vehicle. May, uh, I'm sorry, within, you dropped out for just a crucial second. Oh, you put a no oh, what? A no? Uh, uh, no bomber. No Obama. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, you dropped out. We didn't hear that part. All yeah. right. No Obama. I'm sorry. Yep. I put a no Obama. And I live in New Orleans, which is a very blue city. Right? Uh, I know. I am I am conservative. I, I am the antithesis of what a conservative or the liberals think I should be. Does that make sense? I'm a single mm-hmm. mom, self-employed. Um, I vote conservatively. I vote. I'm a Tea Party girl, a libertarian. Anyway. The Obama bumper sticker on my vehicle, it had been on it for maybe two days. And I went to Whole Foods Market, which is where I buy food to cook for my clients. I walk out into the parking lot, and there is an older woman, easily a septuagenarian, but probably an octogenarian, (laughs) ramming her shopping cart into my vehicle, like, like pulling it back, forward, back forward, back, forward. Well, <clears throat> I, I, of course, what the hell are you doing? 
you didn't vote for him. You don't like him because you're a racist. You're a racist. Of course. Of course. And so I said to this woman, I said, go home and look in your Merriam-Webster's dictionary that you've had for 50 years. Look up racism. It's anybody that does anything based specifically, right, on gender, color, religion. It, you, you understand my point. Here's where I'm going yes. with By the way, for their kids listening, so let, let's be precise as a public service, pro bono publico. Yeah. The Fair. primary definition of racism, and there is no opinion on this, that words mean what they mean, uh, as you are uh, wise to point out. The primary <laughs> definition of racism, as you know, is the belief that persons are superior or inferior based on race. The secondary definition, operational definition of racism is any policy, uh, e.g. governmental, academic, uh, based on race, uh, preference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's it. Those are the only two things. We have bias, we have prejudice, we have discrimination, we have a, a, a quiver full of beautiful vocabulary and arrows that we can use to describe these various shades of gray, so to speak. <laughs> but, you know, only, only, racism only means those two things, not what everybody under 35 thinks it means. Anyway, please go ahead. Uh, no, I appreciate your accuracy. Thank you. So back to the bumper sticker. I am someone that I need to voice my opinion. Uh, the, the incident with the woman jamming her shopping cart into my vehicle uh, compelled me to think, okay, how can I voice my opinion? So I, I made, had a, a bumper sticker made, it's, you know, it's a magnet, right? And the bumper sticker says, Hillary loves Saul Alinsky. And I knew when I had it made, actually I had 20 of them made, instead of, you know, there, there are more than, there's more than one Louisianian driving around with that on the back of their vehicle. The point I'm but, trying to make But it's is a good this, thing you didn't order 25. <laughs> well, well, well the, the misinformed or uninformed, right? Uh, yeah. Have, all they see is Hillary in a heart. That's it. Uh, but right. the informed folks get it. I've had more honks and thumbs up. I didn't know I was that good looking. And then I realized <laughs> it's because of what I put on the back of my car. Does that make sense? For you. Yeah, I mean, you've got, <laughs> you have spirit. You've got spunk. I like that. <laughs> I appreciate your uh, taking the time to receive me as a caller. I, I generally don't call in. You know, I mean, you're busy. I'm busy. Um, but I appreciate your giving me a, a floor to speak. But May, I'm busy waiting for your call, and I wish there were more <laughs> like them. <laughs> bumper sticker. Know what's on your bumper sticker. Know it. That's it. You do. I May, you do, yeah. and you are a, uh, a brilliant and gracious uh, caller, and it's uh, you make it a joy. And uh, for anyone who has somehow perceived by first-person knowledge or otherwise that the flower of Southern womanhood and grace is alive and well somewhere, most likely in New Orleans, uh, you have just offered compelling evidence as to that fact. I appreciate your kindness and your words. God bless. 
Have a good week. God bless you. Call back soon. I love that story. And May, you see, is more discreet, reasonable, intelligent than I because if I found someone doing, well, I'll tell you what I did, but I, I, I didn't catch anybody. Um, well, I did. I, I did. I came out of the gym and I saw someone keying my car. Now, this was an adult because I had, I had a, a few stickers on my car and they were as acerbic as I could make them. And so uh, they, they, were, they were not you know foul language or anything, but they left no doubt as to where I stood. And I lived in a very liberal community and I saw an adult male. I'd say he was 35, 40 years old. And he he looked, I, I watched him watch just an instant, one of those one instants that just happened. I walked out and as I got closer, I realized he, I wasn't really near him yet, but it was obvious in an instant that he was looking at something and I realized he's looking at my car because my car was not right next to others. He's looking at my car. Like is something wrong with all these things that go through your head? Something wrong with my car is, you know, oh, gee, is there a flat tire? What's is my car on fire? I realized because I had a, it was 100 yards away still across this big, big parking lot. He's looking at my car. Car's not on fire. And he 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 took his a, a key and and carved an X over two of the uh, bumper stickers. And, 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 and including the paint of the car. Now, it so happens this was an SUV. I still have this car. I'm looking at it. It's the most handsome car ever made. It's, it's a Mercedes G-Wagon. G-Wagon. They're the, the box. The box with wheels on it. They stopped making them in 1995. And then because of demand, they started again in 2005. They were originally made for the Shah of Iran. They made 500 of them for the Iranian army when they were still our buddies. And they were meant as all-terrain vehicles, meaning for real all-terrain, desert, off-road, everything. And if you've seen one, you know exactly the car I'm talking about. It's a box. It's a metal box, a square metal box that happens to have wheels on it. And it's a, it, it, Land Rover would be its first cousin though this is a better made car being german and um it was already a couple of years old it's not like i took like oh my god you know it's like the scratches i already drove the thing i would routinely drive the thing through the woods with my bike on top or my kayak so the thing was all scratched to heck anyway so it's not as if it was the end of the world for me but m me being me the notion that this son of a bitch would touch my stuff and and touch it for the reason that he was like, you know, a, a communist. And so he scratched things. So I, I stopped, I waited, and my instincts kicked in and I didn't confront him. I stepped behind another car. I got a good look at him. His, his his backpack or gym bag, whatever he had. And then I watched him walk to his car. And I I always had something my whole life. I am that nerd. I always have something. This was before cell phones, uh, or pretty much. I couldn't like text myself. So I had a scrap of paper and a pen in my backpack. I immediately wrote down model, 
make, color, uh, and license plate number. And I waited. And I had to wait only about, I'd say less than a week. And I went out there one morning and nobody was out there and his car was about 50 feet from mine. And I had in my trunk a short chisel. I don't know what it's called. I'm not the handy type. Right. But I had a short chisel, it's probably about eight, eight inches long with a forked, a cloven end, kind of a spike with a cloven end. And I looked around and I put it down at my waist and I looked around and looked around, kept smiling, looking around. And I raked that bastard from stem to stern. You would key? No. I didn't key his car. I took a work implement to it from the front left flashlight, from the port side flashlight, quarter panel, to the bumper in back. That car was worth about $250 to the, to the eye uh, when I made one pass down the port side of that car. And you know what? I made a point of parking my car near his whenever I saw it, just to see if he ever did it again. And I noticed something. He started parking his car the closest to the door of the gym as possible. Every day it was right there or I didn't see it. I I don't know. I, I, am I advising any of you young people keeping score at home? Do I advise you to do what Jay does? Absolutely not. And in the reflection of time, am I ashamed of what I did? Absolutely not. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Partners coming across the wires right now is the, at first glance, insignificant, but to you and me, instantly significant story. That at Emory University, this is a scandal now. I'm seeing all kinds of pictures. There's video of it, and it's pretty horrible. So if the kids are listening, you be careful. Fair warning. They... They, whoever the awful racists, May, are you still listening? The awful racists, whoever they are, have scrawled on a sidewalk, which is known at Emory University in Atlanta. There's a particular location where apparently kids write, you know, slogans and stuff all over it. You can imagine what a collection of wit and wisdom that generally is. Someone wrote down, vote Trump. And now the campus is in like virtual lockdown mode because they say that they're essentially they're essentially saying they're in the presence of the Klan. The Klan is roaming the campus of Emory University. Well, well, okay, not exactly, not okay, not exactly, exactly, not exactly, but somebody wrote that they were for someone legally seeking office in the United States. Now, as you know, I am no Trump fan, but how about the fact that someone's going to get suspended? Right now, what time is it? 
give me about 10 minutes. Someone's going to get suspended, expelled, sued, beaten up, have their lives ruined uh, because they expressed a political opinion. Or as the head of the student body, <coughs> such as it is, at Emory wrote, uh, from what I could see out of the corner of my eye, they may have written Trump, but they might as well have written build that wall. So you see, it's violence. It's chalk violence. So I want you to be the first person to learn, at least I want you to learn it first here, that the students of Emory University, who I'll bet you think that they're they're pretty bright. I've actually seen T-shirts that say, Emory University, uh, the Harvard of the South. But you know what? All the time I've spent in and on and around the Harvard campus and, and any time in Cambridge, I've never once seen a T-shirt that says, Harvard, the Emory of the North. I, I just, I'm sure it's just, I, I just haven't come across one. But so now we have chalk violence at Emory University in Atlanta. We want you to know that this is the equivalent news story of the Klan roaming Emory University because someone wrote down the name of a leading candidate of one of the two major political parties in America. By the way, all this today, all the news, the stories, true, all of them, about the First Ladies, about Hillary, about uh, Trump, coincidence? Not one of the five remaining, I said this earlier, not one of the five remaining named presidential candidates now running is viewed favorably by American citizens. Think of that. Not one person formally running for president is viewed favorably by American citizens. I mean, this is hail to the chief stuff, right? Who knows where we're going? We do. Be here tomorrow, would you? This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.